0: You're listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders. I'm Henry Tetley, I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. Welcome to the latest episode of the Evolution Exchange Podcast. As ever, we have a cohort of industry experts who are ready to share their thoughts and insights with you. So let's get into the intros. Jack, over to you.
1: Hi, my name is Jack Shi. Uh, I'm CTO of Hackmakers.
2: Okay, and uh, Mitchin Hi, <clears throat> my name is Mitun. I, I work for Tyro Payments and I'm the head of quality engineering at Tyro Payments. Thank you, and Abhishek.
3: Hi all, my name is Abhishek, Abhishek Dadhij. I'm part of Service New South Wales. I'm currently work, working as head of engineering for Service New South Wales, also work as director of platforms there.
0: Fantastic. And Alberto.
4: Thank you, Larry. My name is Alberto Cubedo. I'm the head of engineering at Creator Watch. As a company, our goal is to make sure that you are getting paid on time and leverage trillions of data points and building products that help business make informed creative decisions.
0: Thanks, guys. Great to have you, uh, you all together uh, here today. So, what are we going to be talking about today? So, building a culture of innovation within your development team. So innovation is critical for the growth and success of any organization, especially in today's rapidly evolving business landscape. However, innovation can't be achieved through the efforts of a single person or team. It requires collaborative effort and a culture that fosters creativity, experimentation, and risk-taking. So in this episode, we're gonna explore the essential elements of building a culture of innovation within your development team. We'll discuss the importance of dedicating time for innovation tips on spotting brilliant innovative engineers when you recruit, innovation killers, innovation and company processes, and do they oppose each other and what situations would innovation culture not work our guests will share their experiences and insights on how they'll successfully um, create them and maintain the culture of innovation within the development team and how you can do the same. So whether you're a software developer, product manager, or team leader, in this episode, we'll provide valuable insights and actionable strategies for building a culture of innovation within your development team. So sit back, relax, join, and join us on this exciting journey of exploring the world of innovation and development. So that brings me nicely to what Jack wanted to talk about today, which is why is innovative culture in development teams important? So over to you, Jack.
1: Thank you, Henry. So why is it important? And I raise this question because in order to do something, we must understand why we do it. And same with innovation. I'm sure all of us here has phones. now. Who has a phone that's two years old? Who has a phone that's five years old? I'm sure there's very few people that has a phone that's over 10 years old. The same can be said with innovation. Nowadays, according to the stats, the average lifespan of a company in the S&P 500 is 21 years, compared to back in the 1960s, where it was 32 years, 10 plus years of difference. And we can really see this trend going up as technology continues to grow at pace and at speed, as we continue to develop new things such as the likes of GDP, which pretty much can answer all our questions here and there. I would also like to take us to an example of Kodak. If you've known Kodak, it was one of the world's largest film and camera manufacturers of its time, especially in the 20th century. However, in January 2012, it filed for bankruptcy after more than 100 years of history. And sadly, the reason was because the engineer that invented digital photography, Steven Sasson, who was originally an engineer at Kodak, was told to hush-hush after it developed the world's first digital camera. And as a result, Kodak filed for bankruptcy because it failed and missed the opportunities of the digital photography space. Same can be said for Sony Walkman. It was it getting taken over by the iPod and many, many other examples, which really brings us back to why innovation is important. Innovation in itself, as mentioned, as mentioned by Henry, is really a culture. It's not, it's not something that we do on just a on a once-off basis. It's, to a certain extent, I would say more of a mindset um, that has to be adopted company-wide. In the Kodak case, Stephen Sasson was super innovative. However, some managers weren't as innovative. They really wanted to keep the Kodak film industry going and having a digital camera without film simply didn't really serve their purpose. I also want to touch on two other questions that I have in regards to innovation. So now we're all convinced innovation is super important. It's really something that can continue continually make the business grow and innovate. So how do we go about running innovation? And how do they oppose existing company processes? Or do they? One of the things that was touched on No Rules Rules by Netflix CEO Steve uh, Reed Hastings is talking about how a company can operate at optimal without rules and processes. Just like innovation, I believe Processes is something that also needs to be continually improved and changed and tailored for different areas of the organization. If you think about it, if you're improving new products, coming up with innovative new products, coming up with innovative new ways of doing things, why shouldn't the solution, the process improve? And so to a certain extent, I think process is something that um, that is not at odds with innovation, but having a static process that doesn't change and evolve with time is something that would be a problem with innovation. The third question I wanted to address is the situation of, in what situation would innovative culture not work and how to go about improving it? So now that, We want to build an innovative culture. So what are the steps and how do we go about doing it? We can't just go from, it's very challenging to go from a company that's say just at one out of 10 in an innovative scale straight to nine or 10 out of 10. And it's really important to realize innovation is, as mentioned by Henry, it's really much, it's very much a mindset. It's really much a concept of safety. Uh, just like in in some book, it's about creating a circle of safety. When do we innovate? We innovate to try new things. We innovate to experiment. We also innovate to fail and not be afraid of failure. If we're afraid of failure, where if we're in a industry, if we're actually in a company that's that blames people for failing because they tried something new, then chances are this innovative culture within the company is not very good. Um, It's about really providing positive constructive feedback to all team members, having a blame free culture and also having a culture where people are willing and happy to try new things because they feel safe and a growing and a really a growth mindset on how to do things better. That's all from me. Back yeah. to yeah.
0: No, I appreciate the the insight there, and and you make some uh, some really good points. And um, you know, uh, do, does does anyone have anything to, to add to that in in relation to any of those questions?
2: Um, I can add. Uh, like, I think that was very insightful, Jack. Uh, really, very good information. Um, I wanted to talk about like how it can benefit um, the company if we have an innovation culture. I think it is twofold. It will also benefit the company as well as the employees. So right now, who doesn't want to work for companies like Google, Facebook, uh, Canva? All of those companies are at the forefront of innovation. If you see every six months, um, they have a huge conference where they showcase all their innovative ideas. And most of them, which we have never thought of, they are doing it. Um, so I think it's a, a huge gain for companies, um, if they have an innovation culture, it will automatically attract talent and it will also help in retaining talent, uh, like once you join the likes of Google, like uh, not many people will uh, would like to leave that company. So in that way for employees it's a huge benefit, as well as for companies, um, they are uh, at the forefront of competition, they always have this edge um so yeah i think innovation um is like a huge benefit for both company as well as the employees
0: yeah yeah cool awesome and um and abhishek do you do you have anything to to contribute into uh, to what what Jack's just said there i
3: think there are some really good points there from from jack and mithun both of them and i think uh, most of the good points are already covered uh Innovation is definitely so much important for uh, for any organization today. We can't, like, it's not an option anymore, I think. It is, it, is, it is so much important that teams need, and the product, and the companies need to be really deliberate about it, about the choices, about the environments, about the methodology that they provide. And I think that's where my question comes from, is that what sort of... Uh, uh, what are the tips and techniques and, and mechanisms that we are uh, that we, we are employing in our organizations to promote some of the innovative culture and uh, i would like to ask some of the audience here I and mean, some of the, uh, the panelists here uh, what do you do for example if i ask alberto what does your team do, you do to uh, promote innovation
4: Look, we do different things. Uh, We are kind of in a special uh, category because we really thrive into innovation. So for me, as Jack said before, innovation is a mindset. So the first thing is to get the hiring right. You need to have people that are passionate, you need to have people that are thriving and they love technology. And after that, everything is kind of a domino effect because you just need to provide a tool. We provide depth session wherever people share the knowledge between each other. We have a fantastic tech library where you can find any kind of book that uh, could help you skill you up. And also, we have a blameless culture. We want people to tr- try things. We organize hackathon. You know, it's all uh, connected with each other. So it's not just a single piece that it makes the difference. It's everything all together. And it's super important that uh, even your director, your executive, to are part of the P- Sure, because they are the one that needs to promote this kind of uh, innovative way of thinking, doing things uh, and be able to promote uh, all the things that we are doing and be able to, at the end of the day, transform it into a product. Because at the end of the day, we are
0: engineering and we create products. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely, for sure. So in terms of um, like one one question I I had with relation to um when you're, you're looking for innovation, particularly from my side, um, when I've got clients, you know, such as yourselves when it when it comes to to, to hiring um, and one of the sort of credentials and important things that you look for within a candidate is having uh, somebody who can contribute to the innovation and someone who's innovative and will be able to um, you know really get involved with uh, the, the the company's um the company's goals and and being able to to add add value to the team um, how do you quantify that in a person so if you're looking for say a particular skill like uh, they need to have react experience they need to have node experience how do you quantify it with innovation? Is there a tangible thing that you look for? Um, but uh, but yeah, Alberto, I, I feel like you've you've got an answer for me here.
4: <laughs> so I'm really, uh, I, I really like people. So for us, one of our slogans is that our people makes the difference. And we have a very different way to do a tech interview. Uh, we don't really care about if you're an expert in framework A, framework B, we don't really care. We like people that are curious. We like people that are passionate. We like people that have a drive. You know, any other skill can be learned with the right amount of time and a good mentorship program. So if you have to choose someone, make sure that it's someone that really enjoys what doing. At the end of the day, we are passing eight hours of our life working. So we need to do what we like. If not, it's just, uh, you know. Be monkey caller. We don't want that kind of people. We don't want to be that kind of people, to be honest.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you you spend a lot of time um, working, and you know you've got to got to enjoy what you do, and and finding the the right person to that does enjoy what they do. That that is crucial. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely agree with that. Has anyone else got anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, I
3: think probably I can go next in terms of uh, spotting. A brilliant engineer. I think it's uh, it, it, again needs to be a very deliberate uh, exercise we need to do, as Alberto mentioned. That look, some of the traditional ways of uh, interviewing and assessments probably don't work that well in spotting the brilliance, uh, especially when it comes to innovation. Uh, what we do at Service New South Wales is we do a pair programming assessment, which is very specific uh where a senior engineer pairs with the the interviewee and we run it in two ways like the first way is where the the candidate is driving the whole assessment and the second way is where the interviewee or the interviewer is actually driving the assessment so and and the problem is not that complicated the problem remains a very simple problem but we we keep throwing uh, sort of roadblocks after roadblocks uh, in, in front of this person, and we see what are the different innovative ways they, they can come up with a solution. Some of the things are really impossible to have on a production environment, uh, but we just throw them at, um, those things at them so that they are able to, think on their feet, they're able to come up with something brilliant. And we then spot that, yes, this person has got a spark. And this can only happen when, when it's an interactive sort of session. And that's why we do that pairing exercise to see how well they are uh, thinking on their feet, as well as how they are how well they are able to communicate uh, it, it, to the, it to their partner. Because it's it's a team game always, right? Uh, innovation can't be just uh, a very, very solo sort of activity. So that's why we want to make sure that it's like two people or three people are involved and they are talking about any specific problem they are trying to solve and we are then spotting that yes this this person had some innovation they 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 had some out of the box ideas and that helps us in picking up some, some of the brilliant people in our teams
0: yeah fantastic awesome
1: yes I'm, I'm familiar with pairing interviews. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea, really, just to gain an understanding of how they develop as well as how they think and process everything. Um, for me, I'm um, sort of at Hackmakers and other companies I've been with. Um, it's for me, my personal value is really how do I how do I become a value add, and um, and also having a really a, a customer focused. Um, Nature of things. How how can we do things that can even small things, some of the smaller things, or slightly larger things that can actually add value to the customer? Because at the end of the day, that that is a form of innovation. So, um, in my interviews, I would just go about and um, really having a chat with them about their thoughts and potentially some of how they do things in previous companies to try and gain an idea of whether they're just someone that just does the work or whether they're someone that actually um, also thinks about things from from a customer perspective. And not all companies have that, sadly. So, uh, so in those cases, I would actually go, okay, what are some things you really want to learn? And, and really having that touch and connection Ah, uh, with the customer is super important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What about yourself, uh, Mitten?
2: Yeah, uh, very similar to Jack. I, um, for me, like whenever I'm shortlisting a resume, you could actually see some kind of innovation within the resume itself. Like some people have a very creative resume. The way they portray themselves, that's that's like a good start. And also me coming from a quality engineering background, um, it's all about how we test and what we test. So one of the main questions that we always ask is like, how have you improved the quality um, of your project or your or your team? So. Usually people will say, oh, I built these checklists, I did this process change, um, but you will clearly get to know like how innovative they are, especially because from in- coming from quality, uh, you actually see the problems that is happening within the team. And then if you're a normal tester, you just go ahead, test, and then uh, make sure there are no bugs, you move on. But those who are uh, innovative or creative, they go ahead, identify the problems and try to go to the root cause and try to address them. Instead of having a bug come out, um, they even prevent the bugs. So those are some of the innovative mindsets. So if you could pose uh, some innovative questions like how have you improved quality or what innovation have you brought within your team um, or what changes have you made? uh, Those kind of questions can easily give you a good candidate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's uh, d- definitely a, a great way to um, to, to understand somebody's uh, level of innovation by asking them to uh, provide, you know, past experiences and and um, provide evidence to, to show. Um, definitely, especially as I say, you know, said before, when you can't quantify it on a certain skill that somebody has has uh, picked up um, through some sort of education or whether they've learned on the job. So yeah, no, that's a, a, a very good point. Um, with regards to, uh, having the, the time for innovation, I know it's something that we, we sort of discussed, uh, prior to, to this podcast. Um, but Would you say that companies should be allowing a specific time uh, in the day, uh, whether that be an hour a day, half an hour a day or an hour a week or, you know, whatever, whatever time frame that is. But do you think companies should be incorporating a specific slot in the week to allow people to be innovative Um, or, you know, is there any benefits or or, or negatives to that? Um, Abhishek, over to you.
3: Thanks, Andrew. I think. Uh, innovation uh, for for innovation to really work, uh, then needs, there needs to be two two folded approach. One is where the company allows time for um, for innovation to happen, so they don't overburden their their people with the operational tasks They give some time so that teams can actually work innovatively. But I think the second second place is the culture. Uh, I think culture is probably more important than providing the time. Uh, For example, if if there is a culture of risk aversion, if there is a culture where teams are not allowed to uh, experiment, if there's a culture of uh, no psychological safety in a certain organization, if there is a culture of uh, not promoting continuous learning in an organization or rewarding and recognizing some innovative innovative things that people do, then whatever else the teams or the uh, employee do, it just is like putting lipstick on a, on a pig, right? If uh, I think the first first thing is culture. So address culture, foster a culture of proper psychological safety in your organization. Uh, you need to encourage experimentation in your organization. Uh, there needs to be a way to fail and fail fast and learn from it so that they can iterate over it. So it, it can come in small and big things, small things like a small task that a developer or a tester or an architect or whoever is doing, uh, if they, if they have that psychological safety that they can do it differently, they can do it more innovatively. Then it will work wonders in, in the long run. But yes, to come come back to your question, I think there needs to be some time which should be dedicated as a team to to work on on innovation as well. What we do at Service New South Wales is that every other week. Uh, we have a Friday afternoon set up for innovation time, where teams can work on the projects or products that they want to they wanted to work on, the features they always wanted to build, but that was not there in roadmap, some innovative things that they wanted to do, or just learn about something new. And we've seen a lot of uh, improvements, a lot of fantastic ideas that has come up, not just from a technology perspective, but also from a customer service perspective, also from the frameworks that can help us becoming more agile, also from uh, from frameworks that can be re- reutilized or uh, reused for, for other purposes. So I think we we found a lot of benefit by having a culture of safety and uh, an experimentation built into our cadence, but also we have uh, made sure that we give enough time to our teams so that they can keep on experimenting and keep on taking time to really build build, build up on that
0: yeah anyway. great yeah absolutely um jack
1: with my personal experiences um there there is multiple different kinds of people um within within the company in terms of developers and there's really some, uh, some that's potentially really good innovators, they like to try new things, they, they they like to do everything different, use all the latest technologies. And then there's some people that just like, they're good at what they do, they just want to get things done um, and, and such. And it's nice how Abhishek has really allowed for that by going, hey, uh, everyone, instead of everyone innovating, it's more just a time where they can they can do new things. They can learn things. They can do things. Whichever ones they enjoy it doesn't always have to be fully coming up with something new. Um, so that was really good. The second point I wanted to uh, really reiterate is the concept of failing fast. And um, that is very, very important because um, yes, it's for companies. It's about experimenting. It's about trying new things. though obviously we shouldn't try new things that completely destroys the company or potentially breaks the server somewhere, right? So it's always usually trying things within ideally a sandbox or or such or something else. It's about failing fast. And um, I use this concept not only in terms of uh, innovation, but I also use it on a on a day to day. So, in meetings, there's a lot of times where it's like, oh, should we do this? Should we do this? Should we do A, B, C, D? And sometimes it's very instead of spending hours and hours trying to say decide, oh, A is better, B is better, no, C is better. Um, I would just go, okay, they're all really good ideas. Let's just set a two week time frame, time box it. We try it and we see if it works. And a lot of times that th- those things are not, not business consequential, they're not critical things, right? They're just things that's good good one way, good and also another way. And um, I've been able to, by doing that constantly, it really encourages that experimental mindset. But by me being really um, someone that's leading the charge, right? Um, and also it really encourages um, Sort of thinking outside of the box. It doesn't have to be one way or another. Maybe we can try this, try this, and we we'll work out a, a even better solution. So um, definitely, failing fast is is a great concept to have. Really, in that, um, if any of you have read the uh, the lean was it Lean Startup book, um, that's a really good book just to to go lean to try, and um, yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree with with what you're saying there. You know, um, a, a lot of people, uh, myself included, find that the the best way to to learn and and be able to improve yourself moving forward is to to fail so you know you, you don't particularly learn um as fast with with the wins and and with the things that go right it's it tends to be um mostly you know when you when you make a mistake and particularly the more embarrassing mistakes you tend to learn from them pretty darn quick <laughs> so um so yeah i definitely uh, agree with what you're saying there um michelle I, I i think you you've got something to contribute here
2: yeah So to Abhishek's question about uh, how can organizations give time, um, I think something which Tyro does very well and something which I'm very passionate about, uh, uh, the thing happening at Tyro is we have every six months, we have something called as Blitz, which is a kind of a hackathon, but it's a hackathon across the company. So the entire company. Um, all of us team up so what happens uh, we have a set date on which uh, like to um, set date uh, Thursday Friday that this hackathon runs and even before that happens like uh, people come out with ideas they put it on the confluence page and essentially um, ask for people like say um, someone in the marketing team has an idea he will pitch for that idea and he will ask I need two java devs I need one QA I need one from marketing. I need one from customer support, and um, you know, people who you know, who go through the confidence page like those ideas. All of them team up, and for those two days, all we do is work on this innovation project. And the, at the end of this uh, second day, we have heats. Uh, so pretty much um, every team presents to the whole of Tyro, and everyone gets voting. Like uh, we have an app through which we vote, and there is a CEO award uh, as well as a CTO award. Um, and it's so crazy. Those two days are like a festive environment. So much ideas come out and I think uh, uh, three to four ideas which have come out from Blitz have gone to production. So as part of this hackathon, the winning prize is that you get to um, move this idea to production. So the company will give you the resources, time and, um, and, the, and the ev- all kind of allocation for you to go ahead and execute this project. Uh, it's really good and uh, we all look forward for those uh, two days uh, every time and um, yeah i think that's a great way uh, and also Absolutely. it's a, it's a it's a way to meet up with all your people like we are a technology we might not interact with the customer support marketing legal and all but over here everyone's in one team and yeah it's crazy yeah it's really good though
0: <laughs> Yeah, that sounds awesome. A great way to uh, to bring people together and and get people from different teams collaborating and um, putting their ideas forth and and you know, essentially at the end of the day, hopefully um, improving the company's practices and and identifying areas that can be improved that um, you, you maybe wouldn't usually um, have the opportunity to, to 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 find that information. You know, if you were just Going through the um, the day to day work on a, on a usual basis, and and for the sake of what, as you say, like a, a day or two worth of um, of time out the year, and it, it could lead to something that's that really turns into um, a, a massive innovation project that that really changes the company for for the best moving forward. So, yeah, great um, a, a great sort of um, source of innovation there from from Tyro. <laughs> Um, what about yourself, Alberto? Is is there anything that that you uh, you have to add to that?
4: Yeah, look, we were doing the same thing that Tyro was doing before COVID. Then, unfortunately, after COVID, everybody started to work from home, so doing this kind of initiative it started to get harder and harder. So, anyway. You know we love challenge, so instead of uh, doing the old format, we try something new. And something new is just uh, being customer centric and try to improve uh, the culture. And you know just put the innovation in the things that you are doing every single day. Why we need to limit innovation to just uh, two days? and not saying that you guys are doing it, but it's just about bring it inside the software development life cycle. If we need to try something new, cool. Let us let your Protoner, your engineering manager know about it, time box it and go for it. We say before, fail fast uh, is the best way. And yes, I do agree, we should not experiment with the customer. That's why we have uh, A-B testing. That was one of the best innovation (laughs) of the last century, to be honest. And yep, uh, you know, thinking outside of the box should be the norm, (laughs) that's it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and and um, on on that with with innovation, um, one thing that uh, I do um, think of and also um, discuss with with other people um, quite often is: Do you feel that innovation is something that people are born with, or do you feel that innovation can be something that's taught and nurtured um, with with the right supports?
4: I think this one is one of the most interesting questions that I ever heard in my life. (laughs) Look, I don't even know how to reply to this one. I have to be honest, because uh, innovation, yes, is something that uh, I think it's uh, teachable, but it's something that you even need to have uh, in your DNA. Uh, I think that being engineering, it, it, it's easier to get uh, that kind of feeling because we always like challenge. We like to solve very complex stuff. But yeah, at the same time, uh, as we say before, you can get the people that just uh, love to get stuff done, and uh, you know their their first complaint is, uh, "Why are we changing it? It's working perfectly." There is no way. And as Meton said before, uh, yeah, we could test this thing over and over and over, but let's be a little bit more innovative. Let's automate it. At least we can use that time to do something else. So I don't really have the answer for your question, to be honest, <laughs> but I really wanted to tell you thank you very much because the question is amazing and I, yeah. I'm waiting to, to know the insight from the group.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Jack, uh, over to you. Uh, what What's Great. your thoughts? Great question.
1: So, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of this experiment. So um, fleas, a bunch of fleas were put in a jar and then the scientists closed the the lid of the jar, right? So every time the flea jumps, it hits its head. Every time it jumps, it hits its head and hurt itself. After about a a few days, the scientists opened the lid and the tallest the flea could jump was just up to the lid. It couldn't really jump out of the, the jar. And um, this is a really interesting experiment because I think humans for us, we also like that, right? Um, fundamentally, I think all of us has the innovative DNA and it came from our ancestors when we actually start building tools and just look at our society, say, we're, we're improving day on day, right? Um, Twenty, thirty, however many years ago, we didn't have laptops and computers. We had, we had huge computers that span like a whole building, right? So that that is all evidence of innovation. And um, this present day and era, I think there's a lot of t- there's a lot of situations where. We innovate and we get slapped. For example, say for example, we were are we're young. This goes really goes into the schooling system, right? We're educated as as we would in a, a supply chain, right? Um, everyone has different hobbies, different interests, but they're all put into into a class where they're all taught the same thing. And if they try to do something different, they'll get a slap on the on the wrist. Um, that, that, that's really sort of a a separate topic in itself. Um, (laughs) coming back to the original topic, yes, everyone innovates and just have a culture where you don't have the lid on top and I'm sure everyone will grow into it.
0: Yeah, cool. Okay. And, um, on that with very interesting point you say there about the, the flea theory and how that can uh, impact someone's innovation um if somebody has been in that situation before where perhaps the the previous company has had that um sort of the the culture where they, they don't enable their employees to um to be innovative and and put the, the points forward and, and suggest new things. And, and it, you know, if they're in there for a, a particular length of time that it, it dampens their sort of spirits and they maybe lose the confidence and maybe don't want to then put the point forward when they join the new company. Um, is there, there any, um, I mean, I've got two questions in relation to that. So how would you then identify whether they're really innovative and whether they've had this cap over them? Because going back to um, uh, w- one of the points w- being that you would ask them to provide evidence of things that they've done in the past that's innovative and, and, and show, show some of the previous projects. If they've not got that, but there might be a really, really innovative person that's had that cap, how would you, w- how would you identify or over- overcome that?
1: Uh, that's that's very interesting and it really takes me to the second one of the points which I haven't addressed which is about feedback um, and actually the concept of constructive feedback. So um, a lot of times uh, developers they may do something right they, they they may feel that oh I'm doing this innovative thing right they're, they're trying this 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 cool thing out and then only to get told by their managers that hey like, we have this deadline due, like in in a week. We need to get this done. What are you doing with this? Spending all this time? And it's, I mean, it's it's not uncommon. And potentially, it could also happen in innovative companies. All companies, um, all companies have deadlines that they have to meet. They have goals they have to meet, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So, um, what dif- What I think differentiates from an innovative company versus a not so innovative company is really the communication, right? The communication to the managers. Um, because if the managers don't communicate and they just go, this is bad, don't do this, then people will be like, oh, I, I shouldn't do this anymore. But if they're actually able to provide uh, constructive feedback um, and really get in, getting deep into why they're. Why they feel such and such or how they can do things a bit better, then that's where uh, that, that's where the company and all of its individuals can improve because they precisely know, okay, I did this because um, I did this, it caused this, it doesn't mean what i did was wrong it just means i probably didn't do it at the right time etc etc and so it really builds a culture of growth and innovation because they're like instead of going oh my god i, I don't know why the managers so are ha- so angry at me like yeah. and, and really getting getting intense and it's like okay um i'm scared i shouldn't do anything i just do whatever they they they're told and I'm told, and they'll be okay, right? Um, otherwise, my job's on the line. That's not um, that that's not innovation. Um, but if the call co- if the feedback is there, then great, yeah. That's something I wanted to yeah bring up. Thanks.
0: Yeah, no, awesome. Thank thanks <laughs> yeah. for that. Um, Abhishek, over to you. What what what's your uh, viewpoint on that?
3: Yeah, look, I think what Jack raised is a really important point about how. How uh, feedback is communicated to people. Uh, one of the most uh, serious innovation killers in my view is also the way uh communications happen sometimes uh, especially in in the situations where uh, timing timelines are tough and and there are some people who just want to you know keep innovating <laughs> so uh it, it's it's really important to let the spark fly but also i think it's it's also important to um, to kind of make sure that it is uh, that people are aware when uh, when it's the right time to really spread their wings, and when it's the right time to really just put their heads down and and work, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, it's really important how those come, how, how those kind of feedbacks come to the people. I think coming back to your question, Henry, about how do you spot then uh, when when somebody has has been in a situation or in a company where they have been stifled and they they were not able to really innovate because of the culture, and they are now looking for a change, but probably um, we just need to have some evidence in our know, interviews and systems. So I think I'll go back to uh, one of the points that I raised earlier about the uh, about letting the candidates do something on the fly. Uh, you can do it as a pairing exercise or you can do it as as a as a way where somebody's doing some activity live with you and with you, not like you're just observing, but you're you're kind of involved in that activity. And then you start throwing some surprises at them and see like, how do they behave at, at that time? Because they have they, they were given a problem statement to start with. They start working on that problem statement. Suddenly you're working with them and you just throw something very different at them, uh, which is related, but different. And then you see like what happens and then how, how do they innovate? What do they do about it? And I think sometimes it, it just uh, it's just like a muscle that, uh, what I've seen in some of the candidates is that initially they are a little hesitant. They just feel surprised. They just feel that, hey, what happened? Why why are things are changing this problem? If they are able to recover from that shock, if they are able to, uh, like to like, we have probably an hour of interview, if at some point they are able to recover, they are able to provide some solutions which are much more innovative, then I think that that's a win. That's where we can see that this person has that spark still alive somewhere and they are able to pick it up. Uh, but yeah, if you find a uh, candidate is just just totally uh, surprised they are not able to recover at all in the whole hour, then it's a red flag for me. I would see that, yes, uh, probably more stifled. But I agree with Jack's point earlier where he mentioned that, yes, look, innovation is in every one of us. We just need to make sure that we, we keep exploring that, even if our work doesn't allow, if our environment doesn't allow. We find some avenue to explore that and keep that spark live.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Great, um, great point, and uh, thank you for for that. Um, either, either yourself, Alberto, or Mitten, anything to uh, to add um, to complement what both Jack and Naborshek have said there?
4: I think that they cover everything perfectly. I just would like to quote Bill Gates because uh, I think that this quote is the best about. Uh, being not able to innovate, and uh, what it says that uh, I choose a lazy person to do a hard job because a lazy person will find an easy way to do it, and you know even if you're in a company that doesn't allow you to innovate, if a person wants to innovate,
0: it will find a way, hundred
4: yeah. <laughs> percent.
0: Absolutely, and it's a, yeah, a very good, a very good statement there that um, on on the face of it, you, you sort of look at it and think ah oh, like. Are they really a, a good employee? Then, if they're uh, if they're a lazy person, but as you say, you know, if they if they're getting the work done and with minimal effort, then um, I guess all it takes is you to to switch that uh, that laziness and you know the the worlds the world's are oyster. You know, they could could be uh, doing two you know two people's um, workload. <laughs> um, um, and and going back to um, one of your points, Abhishek, uh, with regards to. Um, one of your questions being, in in what in what in your view is the the number one innovation killer? Um, obviously, similar similarly to what Jack has said there about the uh, the, the the flea theory. Um, is there anything that you guys have identified with with previous roles, previous managers that you may have had that um, have have been innovation killers? Is there anything that they've done, uh, Mitchin?
2: yeah i think we've kind of touched this point before but i think um if you have the confidence like um if the company or your manager allows you the freedom to fail and treats the failure as a learning instead of a mistake um i think uh, if if we have that kind of a culture um it it will foster innovation but it's the opposite if say you want to innovate and you spent like Uh, one month on it and then you run the poc and it fails and then you you and they never like they really say okay you wasted all the time and those kind of things that can be a huge innovation killer so as long as you get the opportunity and also have that flexibility and allow that room for a failure um, and treat it as a learning um, because no one wants to fail right like everyone wants to learn Um, so yeah
0: Absolutely. Um. Very similar. To, yeah. To what what I mentioned earlier, in the sense of you know you you learn from your mistakes. Nobody wants to make those mistakes, but sometimes you have to. And uh, and it's it's always always works works out better uh, moving forward. Um. Abhishek, over to you.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Henry. I think one one very con- counter in intuitive uh, thing about innovation that we have discovered, <laughs> like I've discovered with, with my experience working in different places, uh, is really uh, innovation being killed by, uh, by incentives or by rewards. Uh, in, my, in one of my previous workplaces, I've, there was a system where uh, some employees were rewarded on the basis of the patents filed, on the basis of the revenues generated by their ideas, etc. And what we found... Uh, very, very quickly was that 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 was a place to game the system and people were not really innovating. They were just innovating in the way the systems can be gained. Uh, it's like they were trying to devise ideas or devise things which would qualify for innovation. However, they were not. They were just run-of-the-mill ideas, run-of-the-mill things that people were doing and they were kind of camouflaged as as innovative ideas. When I read uh, the book which talks about a, extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation it uh, it was a book by daniel pink and what he mentions there was uh, extrinsic motivators always kill innovation and i found that really applicable when i was there in that company whereas when when it is an intrinsic innovation or intrinsic behavior for for example things where you know that something is broken Things like when Mithun was expressing that you're doing the same process over and over. Why don't you innovate or why don't you automate some of that? So I think that comes internally sometimes. And when it comes intrinsically, then it's a great uh, great motivator, great way to really pro- promote innovation. But when some external rewards or some incentive-based system is tied to it, it just becomes uh, you know, one of those going through the motions kind of exercise where people just try to do it so that they get some brownie points.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and going back to to what as has said there about um you know should we should we automate things? It's slightly deviating from from the the topic um, here, but should we automate things that we're we're doing on it on a daily basis that you know are, are just repetitive? And do they do they really require a human to be doing them if if we're we're doing the same thing and getting the same result and we can. Um, Almost buy back some more time of our day to be innovative and to to spend our time on on improving things moving forward, and particularly with with the technology that we have available to us um, today and and have that those automation um, tools, it's uh, it's definitely something that that should um, should improve on on innovation moving forward. So it'll be it'll be exciting to see you know where where things take us, particularly with ChatGPT and and, and other AI tools like that um does anybody else have anything to uh to add to what we've discussed so far
4: look i think that what you just said is the definition of insanity <laughs> because if you're doing the same thing over and over and you're expecting a different result it will not happen trust me <laughs> so, exactly Look, uh, I think that uh, just to go inside the topic of uh, um, artificial intelligence, I do believe that that one would be a exponential way to automate the task uh, that we are doing on the day-to-day. Uh, I'm just worried about one thing because uh, I don't know if you notice it, but uh, nowadays, uh, if you speak with uh, engineers that are kind of new to the job, they are really good on uh, whatever the framework is telling them. So to know back and forward of Framework A. But then if you start to go a little bit uh, beyond the scene and try to ask them how it work, they don't really know. And that is my problem with AI. I'm really, really worried that people started using it in the very wrong way. Like YouTube, you know, you can get like uh, the best instruction in the world, but you always uh, go and look for cat video, that's it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what is your opinion about?
4: I'm very curious.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, particularly, I, I feel it should definitely be used as a tool to um, do do things that you're already proficient with. So if it's something that you you understand um, on, on like a deeper level, if you understand the purpose and you understand why you're doing something and, and how it works, um, by all means, you know, utilize that tool. If it's something that's going to get you the same results you would get, um, personally doing it and it's freeing up more time for you to learn another particular, um, particular tool, or if you can then increase your own productivity by focusing on another area that you don't quite fully understand, but you're learning. I definitely think it's a, it's a great tool, but, um, I definitely don't think it should replace someone's knowledge because Essentially, then you may as well just have a have a uh, you know a computer doing things and no one to check it, um, because because if you. If you're letting AI do it for you and you don't actually understand it yourself, how do you know whether it's it's going to be correct? Um, so I would definitely say it's it's a very worthwhile tool for for somebody to use that um, already understands the, the the procedure and the purpose of of the project that they're working on, but um, without letting it get too out of hand and and um, taking over from from humans really. <laughs> Um, but uh, but yeah, has anyone anyone got other any other or opposing thoughts to that, or, or do you agree? <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I mean, um, it, it's interesting if you look at history, right? Like um, when you when really the in the old days, for example, when someone made a chair, they they made a chair from from scratch, cutting the wood, putting the putting making the models, putting the chair together, and then now really when when sort of the the free economy came in, it was really about the, um, the the production, the the production lines, and really, one person only knows how to cut the wood. One person only knows how to hammer things. If you ask this person that to to make this person that's hammering to make a chair, they'll be like, "I know how to hammer, but I don't know anything else." And um, um, if you look at it that way, I think. Definitely, AI is very much in its early days. Uh, just like, say, for example, the chair, or maybe even um, who knows how to grow the the tomatoes that we eat every day, right? Um, so, I, I think fair point. At the same time, I feel as as we as AI become more and more prevalent, we would really just would really start relying on it more and more, and um, which is also why there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of standards um, coming out to actually say what AI should do and what AI shouldn't do, um, um, and really just to to limit it because um, there's bound to be people that knows everything, the the engineers, the such and such, and there's a group of people that's just like, I just want it to work. Yeah, it, it just has to be nice. I don't care about how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so both parties is just as important. For sure. For
0: sure.
1: And yeah. and I, you
3: know, sorry, go on. Go on. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I was just saying that uh, I agree with how, how Jack kind of uh, explained this situation. And I read a recent article from Kent Beck. Kent Beck is a, like if you all know, he was a founder of XP and he was one of the big influence in service in New South Wales also because we are an XP shop. Uh, and Kent Beck was one who created the whole uh, test-driven development and all of those good, uh, great agile practices. So he he has started writing articles and blogs. Uh, so one of the articles he, I recently read from Kent Beck he mentioned that when his dad was a coder himself, his his father was a was a programmer in in early uh, early seventies or late sixties, and he's his dad used to program on uh, assembly language uh, instructions. So he used to write the assembly language instructions, feed into a big giant. Uh, you know, building shaped computer, it used to go and get processed, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it used to be a very tedious process. And then compilers, uh, the, the high level language compilers came in came into play around that time, late 70s. And that time, uh, he, like what Kinderbeck was trying to uh, kind of uh, tell us in that article was that the current AI revolution is looking like that time again, all over again where the compilers were just invented and these assembly programmers were asking, hey, why should we learn high level languages like C++, C, C++? we should know how to put Values into a register. We should know how to move the values from one register to another register. That's the most efficient way. A CPU is so so expensive. It takes so much of time. Why should we waste it on compilation and decompilation and running of the program? So there were a lot of questions around that that we should know that basics, right? Today, nobody knows assembly language. Nobody understands it, right? They, they they don't care if if they are if the compiler generates a little bit of ineffective code or or not, not that great code, but uh, in that time in 70s it was like no 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 everybody needs to know all of that because that's what uh, that's how a good programmer can become a good programmer so i think yeah i i think our roles as programmers and engineers will evolve over a period of time we'll probably start adjusting to the uh, to working with ai they will probably become a all- co-pilot or they will start Mm. suggesting things and it will help us in value addition and probably becoming more innovative in in the whole course of action because we'll not be doing a lot of mundane stuff. We'll be doing a lot of uh, really creative, good stuff.
0: Absolutely. And look, it is such a, such an interesting topic. That's definitely, um, at the forefront of a lot of people's minds at the moment with where it's going to go. Um, and it is, it is a massive topic for, for another day, for another podcast that we, you know, we could spend absolutely hours talking about. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, uh, let, let's not go down that rabbit hole just yet. <laughs> um, but, but back to, uh, the, the innovation side of things, obviously, you know. AI definitely does play a big part with with innovation um and how it can complement um complement things and, and improve things moving forward um and it's been fantastic uh, having you all on board um there's some really really um great um points that have been made and and um and insights into to the the workplaces that you're currently in and, and some of the procedures that you guys follow to allow um the the innovative culture um and really grateful for you sharing that with us with all today so um thanks for, for for getting on board and thanks for for sharing those insights and it's been fantastic to uh, to chat with you all